Let me point out, and I want to make this particularly clear. She made her first attempt at Coca Bun. Coca I can't say it. Thank you. She went to the beach. It's the Clear as Mud podcast, where we look at the funny and not so funny sides of bad communication. Join us as we ask why is it so hard to get your message across? Take it away, Lawrence and Ray. Hey, Ray. Are you a big TikTok fan? Fan is an interesting term. I, I have spent some time on TikTok, but I'm still trying to get my head around it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am, but I'm, I'm also a big uh, Instagram fan as well. But guess what? They are now very similar, you know, which is where the you know, uh, problem starts. Now, Instagram is becoming more like a TikTok by changing its features. So it started life as a photo sharing app, you know, where, where you share, you know, your pictures with your friends. And they call it the living, you know, photo album, you know, where people share pictures, they get to know each other, they, they track each other's lives, changes, you know, babies and so forth. But all that's gone and it's now becoming more like a video 15 second video things like uh, a format like uh, TikTok. Now, what happened is this. So when, when TikTok took off during the pandemic, right, it has now something like 1 billion users worldwide monthly, right? Instagram, which belongs to Facebook Meta, so to speak, right, began to take notice, okay? So last year in 2021, they introduced this its own video feature called Instant uh, Instagram Reels. So they tested this in Brazil and to make sure it's working. So basically, it allows you to shoot, edit. You know, you can add sound and music, filters, and so forth to become a reel, like a like a, a clip, right? And then you can then upload that you know uh, easily onto onto the platform, right? So. So what happens to all the photographs you created, you know, prior to this change? Of course, it's all it all disappeared. So this is where the uproar comes in, right? So all your, all your content about your friends, you know, all that gone, you know, um, and Instagram also changes al- algorithm as well, so that now you are showing you are be shown clips of strangers, you know, of people whom the algorithm thinks uh, that you might like, right? And, and then you begin to watch all these strangers, you know, um, doing their beats, you know, making a cake or whatever. So in many ways, you know, it has become, you know, another TikTok. Now, but the insidious thing is this, though, is that the platform now pushes more of such content to boost en- engagement. And it leaves little room for you to interact with people that you actually know or care, right? Because there's all these video clips coming on to your, to your, to your feed. So the, so the platform is not about user anymore. It's about a place, you know, where it come, where you're marketed to, right? a place where, where you eyeballs to have your eyeballs to, and so forth, right? So what's your, what's your take on this, Gray? What do you think? Well, I'd, yeah, I could kind of see these changes already happening to Meta. And, and what I find interesting is that despite Mark Zuckerberg's platitudes about the importance of facilitating community you know we're all about Mm. connecting people Mm. especially on facebook these sort of changes that you're talking about to the algorithms in instagram and facebook because i suppose the thing is that the reels came on and short facebook videos were introduced uh last year but now they're actually changing the algorithm to shove more of those down our throats as you say 
and those sort of changes are really driven by what is important, what's really important to Zuckerberg and Meta, yes. which is scrolling time and, of course, advertising revenue. You know, I could see that Meta's feeling the heat from TikTok, the effect on their bottom line. And so just like he's done with everything that's ever happened in his career, he is innovating by copying his competitors. Yeah. His philosophy seems to be if you can't buy them, as he did with Instagram and WhatsApp, then he copied them, which is yeah. like what he's done with Snapchat chat, and with TikTok. I was reading something recently that apparently back in 2016, before things started going south between the US and China, Zuckerberg actually considered buying TikTok. So, you know, no surprises there. Decides so not to yeah. buy it. Now, oh, well, let's, you know, let's just compete with them instead. Let's just do the same thing. Yeah. Now, the other interesting thing I think here is that it's not just Meta that's copying its way to contemporary relevancy. You know, YouTube, which originally came to prominence with short videos, but then over time trended towards longer and longer form content over the years, they've now launched and they've been heavily promoting this new concept called YouTube Shorts. And surprise, surprise, it's astonishingly similar in format to TikTok. You know, it's a marketing tale <laughs> as old as time. If someone is selling, come up with something similar and get on the bandwagon so you can profit. Yep, yep, that's a good point, Ray. All right, um, I've got, uh, I'll kick things off with a good example this time around. Now, when it comes to the Ukraine-Russia conflict, it's very clear who's winning the PR and marketing aspects of the war, at least in terms of the wider world. Uh, Vlad the Younger, the TV comedian turned prime minister of Ukraine, has done, in my opinion, an outstanding job of rallying the governments, media, and citizens of the West to Ukraine's cause. He's popped up at the Academy Awards, G6 summits, even recently live streaming to university students across Australia to thank people for their support and call on them for keeping up and increasing that support. Meanwhile, his wife, Elena Zelenska, has appeared on the cover of Vogue magazine uh, coming up this month with an accompanying story where she says, we have no doubt that we will prevail. I'm sorry, I can't do Ukrainian accent. So. <laughs> uh, it probably would be racist to do it anyway. Uh, so according to a recent article published in The Conversation, and we'll provide a link in the show notes, they said, quote, Ukraine is the first country to launch an official nation branding campaign in the midst of a war. For the first time, brand communication is a key part of a country's response to a military invasion. Now, the article points out that formerly communist East European countries have been at the forefront of nation branding the past 20 years or so, although this is the first time a country has used nation branding to fight a war with its Be Brave Like Ukraine campaign. A Ukrainian ad agency called Banda apparently approached the government shortly after the Russian invasion first began, and then by early April, Prime Minister Zelensky launched the brand of the world. You know, they're using billboards, posters, which they're showing within the Ukraine. And then on, online, they've got online videos, social media posts, they're selling t-shirts and stickers. And there's, of course, 
a website where you can download, share, and donate. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Now, Lawrence, I have to admit that despite working in marketing and communications, I was a bit skeptical at first about how much time Zelensky spent on marketing rather than military decisions. But the results have been nothing short of spectacular. And I think they've galvanized support for Ukraine against its bigger and more powerful neighbor. I suppose Zelensky's everywhere all at once approach is the 21st century equivalent of Franklin Roosevelt's weekly fireside radio chats or Churchill's regular G-up speeches to the British during World War II. Although one thing that's different here is that Zelensky seems to be putting a lot of his effort towards people outside his country. So Lawrence, do you think this is truly brave or a vanity project? I think it, I think this is a stroke of genius. Actually, I think it's I think it's truly brave. But see, this wouldn't have come about if Zelensky had fled the country, right? So he was given asylum uh, in another country uh, if he wants to. When when Russia started invasion, but he said no, I'm going to stay here because this is my country, this is where my family is, this is where my people are. I'm going to stay and fight, right? So. So you got to give him, you know, you know, big points for that because I can imagine if it's, you know, another weak, you know, prime minister or president, they'll be off the country, right? Considering the fact, you know, how much mightier and stronger Russia uh, is, right? Uh, but they stay and fought, they fought, right? So that persona of him being brave is genuine, right? It's it's not it's not false, right? And mm. then to be able to then use that courage to say, okay, guys, I need help from around the world. We are we are a country, you know, Russia is attacking us. We are running out of weapons. We are running out of uh, ammunition and so forth, right? So he's able he's able to uh, master the support. And he, he, he maybe it could be his training as an actor. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking at the back of my mind now. His training as an actor, you know, gives him the natural ability to actually sell his message, you know, effectively. Now, not many prime ministers in the world can actually do that, right? Mm. But the fact that he can do it and he's willing to do it and he's willing to stay and fight to do it, I, I think it's I think I think it's not a vanity project. I think it's it's truly brave. Now, what's another interesting thing is is this this branding of Ukraine being brave or the brave Ukrainians and so forth, I think it has lots of legs. Now, assuming that, you know, hopefully, you know, the war will be over soon, Ukraine can use that as a, in a campaign to attract tourists, right? And then they can even have hamburgers that are, you know, big and strong, you know, or you have, you know, drinks, vitamins with lots of vitamins in it and so forth. So there's a whole bunch of product and ideas that they can run or bender for example can run based on this or in collaboration with with other manufacturers or other multinationals or other uh, companies for example they can run with this campaign and this campaign you know no other country can steal that right <laughs> i mean australia can steal that new zealand can steal that um you know being brave you know that belongs that that persona or that image or that idea belongs strictly to uh, Ukraine. He, they own it, basically. So I think it's a, it's a stroke of genius because, you know, I think it's, 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 it's true, it's genuine, and it's clever. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a really fascinating example. And, I mean, as you recall, our 
uh, we kicked off this podcast with an interview with a, a Orwellian language expert, you know, talking about the language that's being used uh, by people in this war. And I reckon we need to contact the author of that article and uh, get her on the podcast for an interview. So watch this space. Yeah, yeah. Now I've I've got a a bad one actually, and talk about you know being real, um, being genuine. So now this is this is one where you know you see on social media this called what they call you know random you know act of kindness of or in this case you know random act of not so kindness I guess you know. Mm. So this is about an influencer um, becoming famous for pretending to be compassionate towards the needy. Now, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with helping, you know, the unfortunate or the homeless, or people who are uh, the down and outs and so forth. Nothing wrong with that. But do you really have to put it on social media? You know, do you really need to publicize your own act of kindness? You know, you know, it's it's, it's sort of, you know, to me, smack of uh, smacks of of falsity. So this is actually, you know, what happened, right? So there's this young man um, his name is Harrison Powlett and he filmed himself giving a bunch of flowers to an elderly woman right in Melbourne so she was sitting quietly having a cup of coffee you know in a food court he walks up to her and politely asks her you know, if she you know could hold a bunch or could hold this bunch of flowers for him as he needs to put on his jacket right okay and so this woman's name is Marie. She said, yeah, not a problem. So she holds this bunch of flowers. Now, meanwhile, his friends, okay, were filming the entire episode nearby, okay? So after Paluk put his jacket on, you know, he simply walked away and, but said to Marie, you know, have a lovely day, you know? And she, of, of course, you know, quite surprised and thought nothing of it, right? So nothing of it until the clip went viral on TikTok. Right, so that particular clip, what was seen, you know, wait for this, like fifty-seven million times, okay, worldwide, right? And then she started getting, yeah, and then she's getting texts, you know, from her friends, and there was even an article written about her, about how how she was homeless, you know, and she was, you know, drinking coffee on a paper cup and so forth. So, you know, she was kind of upset about this so it, it turned out to be she fact she she says you know it's quite demeaning it's quite dehumanizing for her right so i've got a number of you know firstly i, I find this quite you know quite disgusting because you know it's sinister in, it's in the fact that you know you're taking advantage you know of people like that but also it, it's it's so-called the so-called random acts of kindness you know it's not random at all it's planned in this case right so it's not mm. genuine, right? So it's designed to to make it go viral and ultimately maybe to make, you know, Harrison famous, right? And and, and of course, Marie was lied to. In fact, she actually saw some of his friends filming. She actually went up to them and say, are you filming this? And they lied to her and say no, you know? And of course, she didn't want the flowers anyway. She wanted to give them, you know, the flowers back. So it's not a genuine stage you know, and I think it's staged to make Harrison Powlett look, you know, look, okay? Now, she, he later responded by saying that his videos, you know, were meant to spread love and compassion. Blah, but, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, does it really, Ray, you know, seriously, you know? Yeah, there seems to be a lot of this going around. And 
thankfully, I think there's a backlash against it. But as usual, Lawrence, it's not hard to find examples of how social media is bringing yeah. out the worst in us. I read an interview with an anthropologist recently where she labeled this trend, called it shame levity, because it, you know, reinforces stereotypes. It makes you, you know, sort of feel, supposedly feel good, but it's, you know, pointing out, oh, well, this is what happens to, you know, this, what's like for an old person, or this is what poor people are like, you know, people from different cultures, women, you know, all these people need help. And she's, the anthropologist said in this article, you know, in the comments on these sorts of videos, there's an overtly positive, optimistic tone about how it's, oh, isn't this good? It's a good trend, random trade, random acts of kindness, but it doesn't leave space for reflection. Or there's mm. no space for people who may not want to receive these handouts or this type of help publicly. Yes. Uh, so yes. she goes on to say, we don't know if they feel embarrassed or humiliated because the video is framed in a certain way without further context. And uh, the, the dilemma, though, is that these people can't say no to this unwanted virality. Yeah. And... And I love this line from the article that the, they said at the end, the moral of the story, if a white guy with an iPhone approaches you asking for a crispy chicken sandwich, he's probably just trying to give you a bunch of money for a TikTok. So yeah. don't be alarmed or in fact, be alarmed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I've got a hilarious example to wrap up. And it's hilarious in that it is hard to believe that in 2022, this is still a problem. Oh, yeah. Now, this is something that happened a couple of months ago. And that's the thing about not doing this podcast every week. There's not enough time to tackle the latest Clears Mode Communications. But I wanted to talk about it because it touches on a universal theme, the different ways that the media writes about young female or diverse people in power versus us middle-aged white guys. Uh, Finland Prime Minister Sanna Marin, who's a young mum in her mid-30s, she was filmed having fun with her friends at a nightclub. And it went viral. And most of the commentary centered around the idea that she wasn't taking her job seriously enough. But the funny thing, down that we saw down here in Australia was that a few days after this incident with the Finnish Prime Minister, our good old Australian Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, or Albo as we call him, he was filmed at a concert sculling a beer while wearing a Joy Division t-shirt. And by doing that, he was widely cheered for keeping it real. I was a middle-aged white guy who owns a Joy Division t-shirt, and as someone who's been known to down a few cold ones at the Enmore Theatre, although the bands that I listened to at the Enmore were all formed in the 80s or earlier, unlike uh, the gang of youths that uh, Elba was listening to. Now, I still have a lot of sympathy for Santa, if not for the type of music that she dances to. But unfortunately, the discourse around politicians and other people in power who don't fit the traditional stereotype, the discourse is clear as mud. 
Now, this article that I came across, which prompted me to include this in the podcast, discusses research around the perception of men and women when it comes to alcohol. And it points out the gendered way that drinking and intoxication are described, with men being described as predatory, violent, and rowdy, while the women were childish, bitchy, and hysterical. Now, I didn't see any of those words specifically applied to either Marin or Elbow in the press reports, but the tone of the articles that were published certainly revealed a difference that I think you can put down to gender and age. So Lawrence, with more and more young people and women becoming leaders of governments and industry, what do you think it will take to change the discourse and eventually the attitudes toward men and women when they're in positions of power. Yeah, I, I think you probably need a new uh, generation of reporters, I guess, you know, as, as, as reporters, as the old people who run these media agencies, you know, go away. New reporters, the younger ones probably will take over, I guess. That's, that's one you'll see the change. But, but on the internet, though, you, you will not, you will see people trolling at each other as well, you know, I think that's not going to change, right? So, so there's a bunch mm, of sort point. of sexist yeah, people out there anyway. So, so that's not going to change. Uh, but I think I, I mean, she's only what, 34 years old. Is that right? Is that, is that how Yeah, something is? like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that was filmed in a private party as well. She was, she was saying, so it was not in a nightclub. It was a private party in somebody's place and somebody, you know, happened to, Put it on. I don't know why they do that anyway. So people like to share you know, things. I think oversharing, you know, mm. can be a problem as well in this case, right? But it's kind of interesting to reflect that you know. I mean, you have Boris Johnson, the ex, you know, Prime Minister of of UK. I mean, he had affairs. He had children out of wedlock and so forth, right? And nobody says anything about it, right? <laughs> yeah, they say go Boris. Yeah, oh, he's you know. He's got an active libido. Isn't that a good yeah. thing? Yeah. And and then you have a young prime minister dancing away and then people get upset with that, you know. And I, I have a feeling also the fact that, you know, she's good looking as well, maybe. You know, be, and maybe that's the other reason why, you know, there's a certain amount of jealousy perhaps or envy, you know, mm, uh, mm, and, that might, and that might, you know, want to, people might want to bring her down for that. I don't know. It's... it's, it's it's kind of weird, I guess. You know, when I when I said when I first saw, I said, "What's the big deal?" Right? But apparently, it's a big deal for some. Anyway, mm. as always, please send through your own suggestions to the good, the bad, and the hilarious at clear-as-mud.org. We encourage you to subscribe to Clear as Mud on your favorite podcast app and leave us a review as well as asking you to check out the show notes for this episode at clear-as-mud.org, where you'll find other examples of communication that is clear as mud. See you next time. This podcast is owned and created by Clear as Mud Production. Continued listening to this podcast may result in uncontrollable laughter, eye-rolling, and expanded consciousness. Please see your doctor if pain persists.